of worship that our Savior, our King, is risen. And so as the children are heading off to Children's Church, I wonder if you'd do a quick call and response with me. And it's all right. Church can be loud. When I say he is risen, you say back to me, he is risen indeed. Okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. That is the reason that we have hope. That is the reason we celebrate today is that our Savior, the Lord Jesus, is not dead. He is alive. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And he's ruling and reigning. And one day, he's coming back. And he's going to make all things right when he comes back. And so we have great hope today because our Savior is alive. Today, I want to talk about the idea that the resurrection is personal. There's some sermon notes and bulletins. If you have those, if you're a note taker, There'll be some fill-ins on the screen. We want to talk about the fact that the resurrection is personal. When my wife and I were dating, there was a movie that came out in 1998 called You've Got Mail. Anybody have anyone seen You've Got Mail? Great movie. It was when the internet was just getting going. America Online was like your only option. And you had two characters, Joe Fox played by Tom Hanks, and you had Kathleen Kelly played by Meg Ryan. And they had this kind of internet relationship going on where they would wait and look every day for if they had mail, email back in the day, email from their person that they'd been talking to. They didn't know who it was. It was a completely anonymous relationship. They were communicating back and forth and building this relationship even though they weren't in a relationship. At the same time, Joe Fox is the owner, one of the family of Fox Books, the equivalent of Barnes and Noble. And Kathleen Kelly owns this little bookshop, children's bookshop called The Shop Around the Corner. Her mother had started it. Her mother has passed away and has sent this and had given this shop to Kathleen. And Joe Fox and Fox Books starts a new store right around the corner from the shop around the corner. And there is rivalry. There's business rivalry because Fox Books sells books cheap, with no customer service, Kathleen Kelly and the shop around the corner, their prices are a little higher because they don't buy in bulk, but they have service and they have story hour and they have all of these wonderful things. And over the course of the show, Fox Books grows, Kathleen Kelly's shop begins to decline, and she comes to the place that she realizes She's going to have to go out of business. And they have been at each other. There's interaction after interaction. And she absolutely hates him. And at first, he hates her. But then he finds out that she's the one that they have anonymously been communicating. She doesn't know this. The story eventually goes on and on and on. The shop around the corner closes. They have this relationship that's continuing to develop. And they're finally coming to the place at the end of the movie where the two anonymous ones are going to meet. 
And Tom Hanks and Kathleen Kelly or uh, Meg Ryan's character, they, they've been hanging out more after the shop around the corner closed. And they've been spending time and there's chemistry, you know, that was online and these emails is now really developing interpersonally. And it's the day before they were going to meet, I believe. And Tom Hanks' character says, you know, in all of this, it's not personal. It's business. It's not personal that I put you out of business. It's, it's just business. It wasn't nothing personal. And she's kind of flabbergasted by that. She said, I've been hearing that a lot. It's not personal. It's business. She said, but to me, it's personal. To me, it's personal. Eventually, they get together, you know, the whole romantic comedy kind of thing. You know it's going to happen, but it's still that magical moment in Central Park at the end. You know, they get together, and they live happily ever after. La, 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 la. It's not personal. It's business. Sometimes when we think of the resurrection, we think of it in terms of business. We think of it in terms of facts. We think of it in terms of proofs, ways to show that, yes, in fact, there was a Savior, and his name was Jesus. And yes, in fact, he was dead, but he is alive, that the grave is empty. And so sometimes we can look at the resurrection as a business, proofs, facts, information to learn. Today, I'm not going to talk to you about the business side of the resurrection. However, if I was going to talk to you about the business side, the proofs or the facts of the resurrection, I'd tell you a few things like, that the tomb being empty was widely accepted throughout the first century. Everyone knew it. It was a fact. But there were doubters. And the doubters usually countered, and if I was going to tell you about the business, I would have told you what the doubters said of why that tomb was empty. And sometimes they would say that it was the religious leaders who were afraid that the apostles were going to steal his body to say Jesus is alive because Jesus has said he was going to be resurrected after he would die. And so some people said it was the religious leaders who had stolen the body. But if the religious leaders had, as the church grew and things were developing after Jesus had come and the church had developed, they could have easily just produced the body and said, see, here, we had stolen it. So that kind of falls apart. If I was going to tell you the facts, I'd tell you that. Some people thought it was the apostles that they wanted to prove, and so they, they stole Jesus' body, but... That one kind of falls apart, too, because all the apostles except John, who died in prison, died martyrs' deaths. And people who have stolen a body and fabricated a lie, they don't die for a lie they created. They would have said, no, 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 before you kill me, we made it up. We made it up. So that one kind of falls apart. And if I was just going to tell you about the facts and the business of the resurrection, I'd also tell you that some people think that Jesus just kind of passed out on the cross. He didn't really die. But that one doesn't make a lot of sense because the Romans never failed at crucifying and killing people. And they put a spear up through his side and water came out, which was a sure sign of death. And can you imagine a body that had been brutally beaten flogged 39 times and hung on a cross and had a spear jammed into the side. Three days later, waking up 
and being able to somehow move a stone that took two people to close with Roman guards standing and he overpowered them, that's a pretty hard one to buy that he just passed out. If I was telling you the business side of the resurrection, I'd tell you those things. And if I haven't lost you yet, you realize I just told you all those things. But I want to tell you about the personal. I want to talk about the personal side of the resurrection this morning because we all either have or will come upon a time when the business, the, the facts, the proofs of the resurrection are just not going to be enough. And it's not going to be enough, not because the information isn't enough. It's not going to be enough because life is going to deal us some really bad news and some really hard things, if it hasn't already. And sometimes the information is not what we need. Sometimes we can have all the information, but what we need is a personal encounter with God. The resurrection gives us hope today because the resurrection has immense implications and gives us immense hope because our Savior lives and he desires to meet us personally. I want to look quickly through the encounter of Jesus with Mary Magdalene in verses 10 through 18 that Mara read this morning of John 12 at four implications for what happens when we meet the personal resurrected Jesus. First implication is this, and that is Jesus, he meets us in our bad news. Jesus meets us in our bad news. Mara read about how Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb early in the morning. She finds that it's open. Jesus' body is not there, so she runs back. She gets Simon Peter. She gets John. They run. John, who is the writer of John, calls himself the one that Jesus loved, and he makes it a point to let everybody know that he was faster than Simon Peter. I find that really, really almost comical. In the midst of this like crazy story of Jesus coming back to the dead, here's John being like, hey, Peter, forever and ever in the scriptures, I want everyone to realize that I was faster than you. <laughs> I beat you. And they both get there, and they both see it, and they both realize this is true. They see the clothes, the linens. They see where Jesus' body was and that he wasn't there. It says that John believed, though he didn't yet understand what had happened. They go back to their homes, verse 10. But Mary, verse 11, stood inside the tomb, crying. And as she is there weeping and crying, two angels dressed in white appear seated where Jesus' body and had been one at the head and one at the foot. And they ask her a question. They ask her, woman, why are you crying? You see, from the angel's perspective, from heaven's perspective, there was absolutely nothing to be sad about. There was nothing to cry about. From heaven's perspective, from the angel's perspective, they're looking at this situation. They're looking at Mary crying, going, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And so Mary says, 
they've taken my Lord away. Who they is, we don't quite know, but they have taken my Lord away. And I, I don't know where they have put him. From the angel's perspective, there's nothing to cry about. Jesus is alive. Death has been conquered. Sin and the devil have been defeated. But from Mary's perspective, she's not quite there yet. She doesn't know fully what the angels know. Because she is seeing the whole situation through her bad news. Commentator Bruce Milne says that there are probably at least three things that were filtering Mary's bad news. She was obviously sad. Jesus, her Savior, she says, my Lord was dead. And to add insult to injury, someone had come along in her perspective, someone had come along and stolen his body. She couldn't even go back to visit where he was buried. Who in the world would steal the body of her Lord? There's sadness. There's probably some betrayal going on. Feelings of betrayal because Mary had given her life. She had followed after Jesus. And she was convinced that he was the one. That he was God's promised Messiah. She was there in his darkest hour as he hung on the cross for six hours. She was there at the foot of the cross. She never left him where most of the disciples ran off. She was there. She was one of the women around the cross. And now, now, Jesus, I thought you were the one. I had given my everything for you. Her bad news, she had to feel some level of betrayal. Melanie also says she probably was feeling some fear as well. Because in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, we're told that Jesus had delivered Mary Magdalene of seven demons. And she followed after Jesus everywhere. There had to be this sense of safety and security. The one who had set her free from the torment of the evil one was now no longer there. And no doubt she was wondering if he wasn't there, he's the reason why those demons are no longer tormenting me. What if they come back? If he's not around anymore, he's the reason and he's not there. What if they come back? Sadness, betrayal, fear. Each of us likely are carrying some bad news here with you today. Maybe your bad news is like Mary's. Maybe it's sadness. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one especially on a holiday, you're feeling extra sadness for because they're not here. Maybe you've had expectations of what life was going to be like, and it hasn't quite lived up to your expectations, and there's some sadness there. Maybe there's circumstances of your life that are completely out of your control that you know you can do nothing about, and you just kind of feel trapped, and it's made you have this sense of sadness. Depression is a real thing. Before the pandemic, it was a real thing. But since the pandemic, researchers tell us that depression has just skyrocketed and mental health kinds of struggles have skyrocketed. 
And so maybe you're coming in with that sadness. Depression is this sadness that hangs over us. And so maybe your bad news is like Mary's bad news in a different form. It's sadness today. Maybe your bad news is like Mary's and it's betrayal. You've been hurt by someone. Whether it's a friend or a spouse. Or maybe a parent or a child has betrayed you. Maybe it's taken a lot for you to be here today because the church in the past, the church, maybe not this church, maybe this church, maybe some other church has hurt you. You felt betrayed by the church. Sometimes people will genuinely feel that God has betrayed them, that God has left them, that God has let them down. So maybe like Mary, your bad news is betrayal. Or maybe like Mary, your bad news is fear. Fear of the future. Fear of as you look around culture and you see the deterioration and the breakdown of cultures and families, there's a fear that is there of where is this going? How bad is this going to get? Maybe it's personal safety. Maybe you see the gun violence in schools and around our country and you, you fear for your personal safety or the safety of your children or grandchildren. Maybe inflation with its increases and the stock market's ups and downs and you banking banks that are failing and all these different things. Maybe it's an economic kind of fear. Maybe you fear failure. Maybe you fear rejection. Maybe there's just an anxiousness that's deep within your soul that's there a lot. Maybe it's something completely different. But we all come today most likely with some sort of bad news in our lives. For all of us, we were all born into bad news. We were reminded of it this morning as we sang that we were born into sin, that we were born into chains spiritual, that though we were physically alive, we were spiritually dead. The bad news is that we were all born into separation from God because of the first sin of our parents, our first parents, Adam and Eve, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. We were all born into that bad news. And that bad news brings physical death and spiritual death, eternal separation from God in a very real place called hell. All people have that same bad news, but you may have come today with bad news. And as I'm talking about bad news, you hear it and you feel it and you're like, I know what my bad news is. But the good news in all of that is that Jesus is not afraid of our bad news. Jesus is not isolated from us in our bad news. Jesus meets us in our bad news. How do I know that? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, at this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, even though at this moment she did not realize that it was him. During this interaction with the angels, Mary senses another presence and she turns around and she sees Jesus, but she doesn't realize it's him yet. It's possible she didn't realize it was him because he was in his resurrected form, his glorified form. Or it could be also that her bad news had hidden him from her. 
instead of seeing Jesus, what she saw was her sadness. What she saw was her betrayal. What she saw was her fear. And certainly she was not expecting to see him. She was still on the idea that someone had stolen his body. Her bad news had dominated her narrative. Her bad news was how she was seeing the situation. And so it's very possible that she did not see Jesus because she saw her bad news. And our own bad news has a way of hiding our view of him. We may know the facts about the resurrection. We may know the facts about Jesus. We may read the scriptures. We may try to pray. We may come to church, but we aren't seeing Jesus. What we see is our bad news. We carry our bad news in. And while everyone else is clapping because Jesus is alive, we're saying, ah, I don't know about this. All I see in my life and all I see in the world is bad news. And we miss seeing Jesus. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe you find this yourself in these situations. But have you ever been in the middle of a a daydream? (laughs) You're sitting in a situation or you're standing in a, a room around people and you're in your own little world. Anybody ever been there with me? Haven't been in my world, but you've been in your little world. And you know, you're, you're just stuck there. You, your mind's off in another place. You're thinking about another circumstance, another situation. It may be bad news or it may be, well, I can't wait for this. Whatever it may be, you're in another place. And someone is in front of you. And you have absolutely no idea that they're there. Everyone been there? Everyone is looking at you and you have zero idea that they're looking at you. Until something happens. Until they speak. And when they speak, whoa, sorry. Sorry, I was in my own little world there. But their voice brings you back to reality. Their voice helps you to see what you've been missing, that they've been there all along. This is the second implication for the personal nature of the resurrection. Jesus meets us in our bad news, but Jesus speaks when bad news hides him. Jesus speaks when bad news hides him. Verses 15 and 16 continues on. He says, woman, why are you crying? Same question as the angels. Who is it you're looking for? Mary, Magdalene, believes that he's the gardener. And she says, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and and I, I'll go get him. And then something happens. Something that shifts the whole situation, the, the snap of the fingers that brings her into reality. He says one word. He says her name. Mary. She would have heard him speak her name. I imagine that time when she was delivered from those seven demonic spirits, that in that moment it wasn't a yelling, screaming at the demons. It was Mary. 
Mary, I'm the one that can set you free. Mary, come to me. Mary, Mary, I'm your freedom. Mary, I'm your deliverance. Mary, I am the one who gives you hope. I am the personal one here for you. And with that same voice, and in the same way that she had, he had spoken it many times before, he says, Mary. And it snaps her into reality. And all of the bad news, all the sadness, all the betrayal, all the fear, in a moment it's washed away. And she cries out, Rabbani, teacher, which even may mean more intimately, my teacher. It got very personal, very fast, with one word, her name. I want you to know this morning that the risen Jesus is calling you by name. The fact that you are here this morning is no accident. This is Jesus, through his word, calling your name. This is him saying, I know you. I've always known you. I love you. I died for you. And I was resurrected for you. And in the midst of your bad news, he's not just informational good news. He is good news. Listen for him. Even as we go through this rest of the passage, listen for him. He's calling by his spirit your name. He's speaking your name. Which brings us to the third implication. Is that Jesus stays with us by his spirit. This personal implication of the resurrection is that Jesus stays with us by his spirit. Jesus tells something tells Mary something very confusing even troubling but if we can have faith it can be one of the most encouraging things you'll hear today in verse 17 he says do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father to my God and your God. He tells her, don't hold on to me. I haven't yet returned to the Father. Go instead and tell your brothers, the disciples, that he's returning to his Father, to his God, and to your Father and your God. Don't hold on to me. You may have seen some of those Returning home videos of military personnel. Have you seen those? Where 
they will come home and oftentimes it's a surprise, you know, and they'll sneak up behind or they're in a Christmas gift or the, the parent will visit the child at school or they'll show up at the basketball game where the family is being honored for their loved one's service or whatever it may be. And they have no idea. And in that moment, when they finally realize that their loved one is right there in their presence, they're usually like, hey, what's going on? I'm going to go continue on with my day, right? You've seen those, right? They're like, hey, good to see you. No, it's like ugly cry, weeping. It is running to where you're like, oh man, is this person going to get knocked over? Is this going to be the one where they get actually like knocked over on their back because the person is, their loved one is running so hard at them. And with tears of joy, they run and they grab on and they hold on. Now, can you imagine one of those videos? The hold on, maybe it was a dad to a child like, hey, um, don't hold on to me. Could you imagine that in one of those videos? That would be like the most depressing welcome home video. Hey, good to see you. Don't hold on to me. Like, like when we understand what Jesus is saying, this is like Mary's Bad news has been washed away. What does she want to do? She wants to hold on as tight as she can because the one that she had followed, the one that she was so devoted to and loved so much, she thought he was dead. Now he's alive? I'm staying with you. I'm not letting you out of my sight. This is not ever going to happen again. And he's like, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me. Go tell my brothers. I'm going back to my father. Like, what is that? What is that? Almost seems like cold-hearted. But it's not. Because Jesus understood that to complete the fullness of the resurrection and the cross, he had to ascend to the Father. And as he ascended to the Father, he was given the rightful place that he deserved at the right hand of the Father in heaven to rule and reign over all things. But not just to rule and reign over all things, but he had made a promise to his disciples the night before he was crucified. He said, I am going back to my Father. But when I go, it will be better that I'm not with you because I will send you my Holy Spirit and he will stay with you. And not only will he stay with you, he will live in you. See, if we have faith to believe that not only does Jesus know our name, that not only did Jesus pay the price for our sin, that not only did he conquer death, did he conquer hell? Did he conquer everything that is bad news in our life? Not only did he do that, but he has taken up residence in us. He lives in us, by, in those who believe in him, by the Holy Spirit. That's like the most amazing news that you can ever hear. That God, has, God lives in you. No matter where you go. No matter what difficulty, what bad news, what hardship you face, you never face it alone. He is with you and he is in you. 
that's good news. That is good news for our bad news. I don't think it gets more personal than that. Than God living in us by his spirit. And if you have faith to believe that, it's a never-ending discovery of who he is as you understand his presence in your life. Jesus stays with us by his spirit. Lastly, personal implication number four is this. Jesus sends us with good news. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples in verse 18 with the news, I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene, with all of her bad news lifted and replaced with the good news that Jesus was alive, went to tell the disciples the news. But notice she just doesn't, doesn't just tell them the business side of the resurrection. She doesn't just tell them information. She tells them something so powerfully personal. I, with my own eyes, have seen the Lord. And I, with my own ears, have heard his voice. And he has called me by name in the way that only he could ever call me by name. He is not dead. He is alive. That's the best news that anyone could ever hear. And that's the best news that you can ever share with anyone. Her encounter with Jesus gave her good news to share. It wasn't that she had this Bible study and list of things to be able to share and truths. She had firsthand knowledge. I have seen the Lord. Friends, this morning, the resurrection is intended to be personal. Jesus died and he was resurrected to change your bad news into good news. In the same way that the resurrection was personal for Mary, that same resurrected Jesus wants it to be personal for you today as well. So let me ask you just a simple question. Is the resurrection personal for you? Is it personal? Is it more than just business facts? Has there been a personal encounter with Jesus? If there has not been, Jesus knows your name. And Jesus is calling your name. And it would be the greatest joy that you will ever experience to meet the resurrected Jesus. And I would love there would be those after the service or even during as we sing this last song in a moment who would love to pray with you to lead you to that place of meeting the resurrected Jesus for the first time. There's nothing like hearing him to your spirit say, Mark, fill in your name there. Just like we sang this morning, he called my name and I ran out of that grave. He's beckoning you out. Out of the chains of sin, out of the bad news that you carry into an encounter with him.
And if you have met Jesus and the resurrection is personal, would you go tell someone about it? Not just about it, but about how he met you in the resurrection. Mary had a story to tell. And if you've met Jesus personally in that way, you also have a story to tell. A story of how you have met the Savior. She said, I've seen the Lord. And in your way, tell others how you have seen him as well. The worship team is going to come and lead us in a closing song, but I'd love to, to just pray with you in these moments that Jesus would be personal. And I would even just pray grace over your life that you would have ears to hear the voice of Jesus. You may be even hearing his voice calling to you right now through this morning. You've been hearing him. You may not know what that voice sounds like. Sometimes it's just a, that draw. I don't know what this longing is. That's him stirring up his call to you. There may be something in this message this morning that just is screaming to you. Or you're like, ah, I've never, never thought of it that way. That's Jesus speaking to you. But I just want to give space for Jesus this morning to call your name for the first time or just to hear him speak over you afresh. And if you hear it and you have faith for it, just, yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are the one who died for me and I believe you are the one who was raised for me. So can we pray together as worship team will come, we'll sing one closing song after we pray. Jesus, we sang this morning. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave. Our shared bad news is that we are all under the penalty of death because of our sin. But our shared good news, if we will receive it, is that you have paid the price for our sin on the cross. And because you are alive today, you've overcome it all. Death has lost its power over us. We will one day be resurrected just as you were, Jesus. Death is not our end. And so Jesus, by your spirit, would you, in the ways that only you can, would you call our names this morning, just as Mary heard her name. Speak, Lord. Some of you may even be getting words, if you have your eyes closed, maybe getting words in your mind's eye, so to speak. Have faith to believe that that's him calling to you. Some of you may be seeing pictures. 
Have faith to believe that that's him calling to you. Some of you may be even seeing your bad news. And in the midst of that bad news, know that he's calling to you on the other side of it. So however Jesus may be calling your name, respond to him if you so choose. As Harry said this morning, we all have options. We can respond or choose not to. But if the resurrected Jesus is calling your name, respond to him. Jesus, we thank you that you are so personal. We thank you that the resurrection is personal. That though there are truths and facts, that even more you are the personal one, the resurrected one who wants to encounter us. So through this day, through the weeks, months, years to come, would you continue to call our name? And would you give us the grace for ears to hear and eyes to see through our bad news, the good news that you are alive, that you are the Savior of all. We love you, Jesus. Amen.